Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Um, I, I'm really grateful for you guys being a part today. So again, uh, we're, we're continuing our series by grace and today specifically we're going to be talking about how can I? How can I? And I feel like in the moments that we need grace, we have this question. How can I do this? How can I make it to the next month? How can I make it um, in this relationship, in this, in this problem, in this situation? We, we have this moment of how am I supposed to do this? And today specifically, we're going to be just really unpacking how we can really uh, uh, find the grace of God how we can grab hold of it and just call on that grace for us personally. And I want, us, uh, I want us to understand that we need God's grace in the moments that we make mistakes, and especially when we experience the struggles in this world that simply go beyond our strengths and abilities. I, that, that, that saying, God won't give you anything that you can't handle, it's just not biblical. It's not biblical. It, we, we see in Scripture over and over that people are called to these, uh, not, uh, sometimes called to these great things that, that they were never qualified for, never ready for. And there's also moments that the world just completely went against them and they experienced these struggles that w- would be impossible for anybody to go through. But we see them call out for God's grace and be able to do things that they wouldn't uh, be able to make it through things they wouldn't be able to make it through on their own. And I want us to understand that grace helps you to better understand yourself. It helps you to better understand yourself. It helps you to better understand life's ups and downs. And it, it helps you to better understand God's calling on your life. And so in this message, I really want you to receive God's grace mentally and spiritually. And I want you to be able to see yourself through God's grace. And I want you to be able to, to see your value and your potential through the eyes of grace. Y'all feel what I'm saying? To start off, I wanted to share my own experiences of God's grace. Um, when I gave my life to Christ, I've shared uh, many times before uh, that I, I really um, was never raised in church. I was never raised in church, but once I found Christ, it completely changed my life. And before I gave my life to Christ, I, I had a lot of uh, drug abuse. I had a lot of violence. A lo- uh, I was I, I was actually, um, my aspirations were to become a professional criminal. I, I dreamed of being able to do, uh, one day join like the Italian mafia. I, I thought that, that was like my dream job. And I, when I gave my life to Christ, it, it completely changed my world. And I experienced the grace of God when I didn't deserve it. I experienced this grace, this love for something I didn't earn. And that grace, it saved my life. I was going down such a dark path, but that grace completely changed me and saved my life. And I remember uh, it being so inspired by that grace. And once I ended up going, uh, I ended up deciding to go to a ministry school. Uh, and when I was going through this this program, it it was a very, it was a their their philosophy and their values were ve- very legalistic. In fact, they, they had a, this ideology to create synthetic suffering for people so, so that they would be more determined for Christ. <laughs> it's, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> it, it, sound, it sounds like I would be making it up, but, but literally, they, it was, it, there, there were so many things that they would intentionally do to create a synthetic suffering. In fact, at the beginning of the program, for any, and again, this is designed for uh, people right out of high school. At the very beginning of the program, they had a surprise boot camp to where they would give everybody a bandana, and they separated them into groups. And there's this three-day boot camp in which they would put all of the, the interns through um, just rigorous physical um, activities to the point where uh, in my year specifically, I remember a moment where this young guy uh, my age um, uh, because of the lack of nutrition, the lack of water, the lack of food that they were giving us during all these f- physical exercises, he started having a severe cramp in his abdomen to where he was just like, uh, like writhing in pain. And you could see his, like, uh, the muscles in his stomach literally just like, um, like, 
uh, moving in because of this, this massive cramp. There's another girl that ended up having a heat stroke. This was in Louisiana during the summertime that they had us sleeping outside on the floor in the grass and doing all these exercises in the sun, the humid sun. And this one girl ended up having a heat stroke to where she was hospitalized for six months. And so when I say that it was like a, a severe boot camp, I'm not just saying like it was hard. No, it's, it was, it was uh, almost criminal. And I said how they gave each person a bandana and they said, this is a representation of your commitment to Christ. And if at any point you want to quit this, this program, quit this boot camp, then you have to go up to this big lit up cross and tell Jesus you're not willing to suffer for him. And so you can see how this could set up a lot of people for some counseling years down the road. Right? See, there's actually, uh, now that I'm, it's been 10, over 10 years since I was in that program, and now there's like these class action lawsuits trying to be formed against the, the church that, and the program. And I found out that there's even like a survivor's group. <laughs> and I drew on this like this Facebook page of like all these different people that none of, oh, hardly any of them are Christians anymore. Uh, a lot of them are talking about how they've been going through years of counseling and that th there's this underlying thread that each of them develop a, a, a strong sense of feeling unworthy and not enough. Strong sense of unworthy and not enough. And all of a sudden it clicked for me. I was like, wait a minute. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> See, for me, after going through that internship, I was just kind of like, I already like experienced some struggles in life. So I was like, well, this sucks. Like, but I'm going to just eat the meat and spit out the bones. I'll just go on. And I realized that after that program, see, before I had experienced self-harm, I'd, I'd, I'd cut myself and I would injure myself, never with the thought of suicide, but, but because of just my own, like that feeling of being numb and wanting to find some type of other outlet, like wanting to feel something else than what you're feeling inside. And I never had a thought of suicide I really never did out of all the, the, the drug addictions and, and uh, sleeping outside, all this stuff. But after going through that program, it was the first time I ever started having real thoughts of suicide. I, I remember moments of, of literally being so confused within myself and feeling so unworthy of God uh, in this relationship. M moments where I literally held knives to my arm, wanting to kill myself because I felt like I could never be good enough for God. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. Because what I have found, what I really found in the, I had kind of been building up this idea like, I think those guys were wrong. <laughs> but see, when I, when I realized that there's this trend of all these other people that experience the same overwhelming feelings that I had experienced, I realized that, some, that there was this, this improper ideology that was instilled in us because of bad doctrine, because of poor teachers, because of a bad church experience. And over the years, I've found that we have, there's so many people who may not gone through the same thing, but have had some type of opposite feeling of grace due to their experiences at church or experiences in life or experience with some Christian, whatever. And today, I really want us to be able to grasp what grace is for you. I want you to be able to really identify with God's grace in your life. I want to start off by sharing this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5-10. through 10. It says, That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. This is Paul talking. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I, won't, I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God. So what Paul is addressing here is that there's a bunch of uh, other people who are trying to take influence over the church of Corinth. And they're, they're pretty much people trying to rise up as leaders within the church that are bad-mouthing Paul. They're trying to create division in the church. So they're really trying to create a church split and trying to, they, they, they coveted his influence. They coveted his leadership. 
And so they're trying to instill this divisiveness within the people and Paul. And Paul is saying, as these people try, uh, talk so much about themselves, they talk so much about themselves, I'm not going to talk about myself like that. If you want to look at my accreditation, then you could just simply look at the things I've done. I don't have to tell you about it. You can hear my message and you can determine for yourself, but I'm not going to try to butter you up and tell you how great I am. Then he goes on to say, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, where am I? <laughs> each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what a, what a turn of events that Paul has in the fact that it, instead of talking and trying to boast and trying to say like, well, those other guys sound great, but look at what I can do. Look at what I can do. Look what I've done. And he says, in fact, they can say how great they are all day long. Let me tell you about how weak I am. I'm so weak that I've begged God to take away my weaknesses. And he said that my grace is sufficient. And, and he just goes on about his weaknesses. And you know what? I really identify with that. I don't necessarily always identify with, with the holier than thou Christian, the, the one that is superior. But I do identify with the one that's trying. <laughs> The one that's struggling. And see, Paul is saying, oh, I struggle. I struggle. Rather than trying to be right, he is real. And when he says that three different times, he asked God to take away this struggle of his, in which God responded, my grace is sufficient. It's not just three different times that he prayed, saying, God, please take it away. And then the next day, God, please take it away. I'm talking about three different like parades, like three different sessions in which if you've ever had like a, a season in which you were praying for something, like, like at the beginning of every year, we do a 21-day fast. Imagine doing a, a three different 21-day fasts of, of fasting and prayer in which you're just, you're just pleading every day and, and talking with God and begging God to take away this struggle. And the first time, God's, it, God tells you, my grace is sufficient. And you're like, okay, like we're just... That's just what it is. And then a couple months go by like, you know, I believe that God can really do this. And going, we're going to do 40 days. <laughs> 21 days, is well, that was the problem. It wasn't enough. Let's do 40 days. And we're going to pray and fast for God to take away this struggle. And God says, my, my grace is sufficient. Wow, God's just really speaking to us. And y'all know how we are, right? God will tell us one thing, but then some time goes by and we're like, well, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe that was just me. I was just, I just was, that was just me. I was emotional. But now I'm really ready to receive what God wants to do for me. I'm really ready to hear him now. And this time, I'm, I'm going to just do like three months. Three, I'm going to really press in and just talk to God. And by the end of it, you're ready for this big outpouring of God to just like come down on this golden cloud. Say, let me take that away. And then just ascend back to heaven. You're like, now I can really do the work of God here. And instead, God says, my grace is sufficient. So he took Paul. I feel like he's a lot smarter than most of us. I mean, you guys are really intelligent people. But Paul, I mean, he has amazing revelation. And it took him three times to realize that the first time was real. Y'all know what I'm saying? Three different times to realize the first time was real. That it was really God speaking to him, really God moving in him. And so I want us to talk about when I am weak. You're not limited by your struggles. You're not limited by your struggles. See, Paul, he's, he's literally listing his struggle as his, as his accomplishment. And what he realizes is that God's grace carried him to the places he hasn't been before. 
that God's grace empowered him to do the things he hasn't done before. And it was in is all in his weakness. Paul's saying, I've seen revelation from God. I've seen visions from heaven that you guys wouldn't even have anything to know about. But I'm not going to talk about that because all that God has shown me wasn't because I deserved it or because I did anything greater than any of you. It was only by his grace. It was only by his grace. And I believe that we face these situations in life that we simply can't handle. I mean, we just can't handle them. But that is what gives us the opportunity to call on God's grace. To call on God's grace. Being stretched beyond your limit can be painful, but it also lets you grasp for things that you were never able to reach for before. I mean, when I think about the times where I've uh, had, if you've ever had a moment like Paul where you, you pray and fast for something and you're wanting God to just take it away, but we realize that it takes us from that idea of I should pray to I need to pray. It's like when, when everything, when you don't feel like you're going through struggles, it's like, oh, I really should be praying. But when you're going through those struggles, like I got to, I need to pray right now. And see, we, we, we grasp on to a moment of desperation and that brings us closer to God. That brings us closer to our creator. I would, I would urge that rather than focusing on trying to take away the thorns in our lives, Rather than trying to focus on praying for God to take away your struggle, try praying for God's grace to overcome and endure through those struggles. Instead of just praying for it to go away, pray for God to give you the grace instead to endure. And I feel like I have faith for that. I don't always have faith for this, uh, this you know, cloud coming down and shifting everything in my life. But I do have faith for God to give me the grace. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I want to I want to share this this other verse in Philippians. It says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, usually we only get the coffee mug part of that. The second part, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I remember uh, there's this one youth director before me and uh, Lauren became youth pastors that this lady got all the kids like, she was like a military lady. <laughs> and she got all the kids like chanting and marching like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and see, that verse alone is empowering, yes, but when you look at the full context, we realize that Paul is saying that in a very natural application. He's saying, whether I'm struggling or whether I have everything I need, I can do everything through Christ because he gives me the grace. He gives me the grace. And see, I, I feel like for years, I only saw that second verse as like just this just miracle thing that it's just going to make everything easy for me. See, when you think about like, God, give me strength. It's like, so I don't have to be strong. <laughs> that you just miraculously like make that strength for me. Like I could work out and lift weights, but I don't like feel it. That's what I want. I don't want to feel the pain of lifting the weight, but I want to be doing it. And see, Paul is saying he's describing this grace to endure it. To endure when things are good and when things are bad. I, I really believe that this grace is something that we have to understand is possible within our walk, within our journey. And I feel like for me personally, everything meaningful and special in my life was only achieved in the moments that I really asked for God's grace. Like everything great in my life was accomplished while it was all these things that I was just truly not qualified for, that I was not ready for. But 
calling on God's grace in the moments I wasn't ready for it, the moments I couldn't handle it, gave me something that I couldn't, uh, that I, I really couldn't endure on my own. I, I think about like even just as simple as jobs I've had. I mean, that, I know I've mentioned this before. Did y'all know that I was a jet engine mechanic for a while? I don't have mechanical skills like that. <laughs> think about that next time you're on a plane. <laughs> I got a job that I was not qualified for, and I remember praying like crazy, like, God, I, I would really like this paycheck, but I don't, I don't think I really can do this. I need your grace. It makes me think about even just ministry. I, 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 again, I was never raised in church. When I was at ministry school, I was one of the few that didn't know what people were talking about. <laughs> Talking about like those little sayings and they're like, well, everyone knows this, this uh, kid's church story. I was like, <laughs> what are y'all talking about? I never heard of that. Talking about songs like, and hymns and I had no idea what they were talking about. They're like, all right, everyone knows this song. Let's sing it together. And I was like, uh. <laughs> that's when you just kind of like move your lips. I couldn't even clap on beat for the choir. <laughs> I didn't know how those rhythms work. I, I had to clap like this. <laughs> so where you couldn't hear me, but I, I looked like I was just enjoying it. And, and now being a church planter, being a pastor, just the only, the only explanation is truly God's grace. And it's one of the most fulfilling things in my life. And it's only by God's grace. Makes me think about parenting. I mean, I think this kind of applies for all parents. The moment that you become a parent, you realize you don't know what you're doing. I had a lot of ideas that I knew what I was doing before, like, oh, I'm going to be like this, and they're not going to talk to me like that. And I got uh, realized how much harder it was. But this is parenting, even for me specifically, not being able to witness that kind of parenting. It's, it's one thing, uh, becoming a dad and feeling like you got a good example of it growing up. But it's another thing when you're being a dad and you feel like you have no idea where to start. Y'all feel what I'm saying? For me, one of the most greatest things in my life that I was definitely not qualified for is my marriage. You know, me and Lauren just celebrated 10 years. Let's clap for that, right? Yeah, amen. People were married like 15 years, like, that's nothing. (laughs) See, it, it seems like something ordinary, but I needed God's grace. It was something incredibly spiritual for me. 10 years, the longest relationship I ever had in my life before I met Lauren was 30 days. Yeah, I'm, and I'm talking about, for a while I thought I was cursed. <laughs> but every, every person I dated, it would just, I couldn't make it past 30 days. And I didn't get to see a beautiful, healthy marriage growing up either. My parents, after their divorce, I've seen them together twice, and it was weird for me. <laughs> and it's been over a decade. It, it was like not a healthy dynamic. And so for me, it was going into a marriage, it felt like all the odds being against me. Something I desire so much, feel so unqualified for it, don't have any real teaching about it. I really need God's grace. Now 10 years? I mean, for me, it's a miracle. And it's, it's all in attributed to God's grace. So through our struggles, we're able to see God's grace the most. Now, I want us to understand, we understand that God's grace is real. We unpacked it and see how it works in a tangible way. But let us understand that it's for you, that it can be personally for you. What I have found is, myself included, most times as Christians, we believe God's grace can work for everybody else but me, right? It's a lot easier for me to pray for someone else to pray for myself. Yeah, God can totally do that in your life. But if it was the exact same thing, like, no, God doesn't want to do that for me. And we struggle with the idea that God is for you. And I want us to understand that God is not hesitant or reluctant in helping you. God is not hesitant or reluctant in helping you. God is for you. See, we as Christians, we go through this, this season of insecurity and imposter syndrome. 
to where we feel like everybody else is a good Christian, but we're the ones that really suck at it. We're the ones that really aren't that good at being Christians. And those, that imposter syndrome holds you back from achieving your next level, not God. That, that next, that deeper relationship that you long for with Christ, it's, it's really because it, it's so hard for us to receive that grace, to believe that that grace could be for us. But it's not God holding it back from you. In fact, he desires to empower you and to see his grace work through you. Look at what Joshua 1.9 says. When Joshua took over the commanding uh, rank as, over the people of Israel, God tells him this, this is my command, be strong and courageous, exclamation mark. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Is this not what we all need to hear from time to time in our lives? It's a, a simple thing of be strong and courageous. Ooh, I don't feel very strong right now. I feel weak. God's saying be strong. It, it, it's, it's, not God, it, it's not God telling us to be something that we're not. It's like when you're struggling with anxiety and someone tells you, like, well, just don't be anxious. Are <laughs> you struggling with depression? Well, like, you just shouldn't be depressed. Just don't be depressed. Just be happy. Oh, <laughs> I never thought about it like that. See, it's not, God's, it's not God behaving that way. What he is saying is, I will work through. I will give the strength you need. I can give you the courage you need. You can access it through me. Do not be afraid or discouraged. What he's trying to do, he's trying to reassure. He's trying to reassure. It's like the moments where you're really struggling in life, and sometimes you just need somebody that you, that you even like could look up to say, it's going to be okay. And even though you don't believe it, it just feels nice hearing it. And God is trying to reassure Joshua by saying, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's like we could ignore everything before that. It's like, be strong. Well, I'm not strong. Be courageous. Well, I can't. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm going to do it, but I'm really scared. And then, but this part, God is with me. That's something I can long for, something I can cling to. But it's the moments where we're struggling and we're needing God's grace that we think he is not with us. Because we imagine the struggle to not feel as difficult as it is. See, when you read it through scripture, it, it's easy to imagine God will give me strength. It'll, it'll just be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But see, it's almost, once you have exasperated your strength, he's like, I'll spot you. I got you. You're not going to fall down. And the weight is not going to collapse on top of you. I got you. You can do this. And he gives you just that little bit of support to where it almost feels like you're doing it, but you know that he's helping. Y'all feel that? See, that's what his grace is like. See, you, you must understand that God is not waiting to slam dunk you to hell. He's not. I feel like, just like I described in my story at the beginning, that's the impression I got, is that God was just waiting to abandon me. The moment that I made a mistake, the moment that I felt like I wasn't good enough, the moment that I wasn't perfect, which is all the time, God was ready to forsake me, to leave me, to slam dunk me to hell. But Scripture shows us that he's not, he's not waiting to do that. In fact, he's waiting to pass you the ball. He's waiting to give you a layup, to pass you the ball to where you make it in, and you're just, it's just like, wow, I did it. I didn't think I could do it, but I did. And he's like, yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> I got you. You, mu you. you just have to switch your perspective on how you believe that God sees you. How you believe that God sees you. God sees you with love. He sees you in goodness. He sees you with the nurturing and empowering aspirations of a father. To think that God is proud of you, that's, that's a hard thing for most of us to grasp. But to know that God describes himself as a father to you. And if you could imagine what a good father is like, I feel like most of us, whether you've had a good father or not, you, you have an idea of what it could be like. I mean, right, you watch This Is Us, <laughs> see Jack, and you're like, wow, this guy's not real. <laughs> but he, we have this idea of what a good father can be, and that is truly the way that God describes himself to you. In fact, he says the best father that is here on earth doesn't com 
compare to how God is your heavenly Father. That even good, uh, even the good fathers of this world have have sin and wickedness with inside them. But God, who is holy and pure, that He is a good, good Father. It takes a switch in our perspective, and it really takes a spiritual faith and a determined mind to trust God's grace with your weaknesses and with your lacking. To trust God through it. See, faith and fear are like these seeds in our lives. They're these seeds in our lives. And every different season that we go through, it's like these new seeds are laid in our hearts of faith and fear. And fear will always try to dominate and overshadow the seeds of faith inside your heart. And when you think about, well, how do I make the seeds of faith grow? Well, whatever you water, whatever you give your, the attention to in your mind, in your heart, that is what will grow. What I've learned is when you allow those fears turn, to turn into fantasies and you're just thinking about th- these fears and it's, it's almost like just thinking about them, just continually thinking about them. And I feel by the end of the day, man, I feel like a wreck. I feel like this nervous wreck and all those fears were is these fantasies. I never even finished it out. Like, well, if th- I didn't think about it logically. Like, well, if this happens, I'm going to just have to do this and that. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? And those fears just turn into these huge trees that overshadow all the faith that I had. But see, when you get those thoughts and you determine within yourself I'm going to, I know that I had this thought, but I don't have to continue thinking about this thought. I can, I can accept it and reject it. I can throw it out. I can toss it aside and I can choose to believe in faith. Last night we left a, a, Terry had this great party. You guys totally missed it if you weren't there. And I sang my heart out (laughs) for karaoke. I didn't even need a mic by the end. (laughs) And we, we, we left later than we were supposed to. We had, me and Lauren, we had all of our kids with us. And on our way home, our, our car had a, a malfunction, if you will. And we left at like 1040. Our kids' bedtime is like 7. <laughs> and we have church the next day. My bedtime is like 1030. <laughs> and so I noticed all of a sudden that we were going 60 on the highway, and we're just, me and Lauren are like, what a great time that was, right? <laughs> And we'd already received these different texts and calls about different uh, oppositions and, and adversities we're going to have to face by the end of this year. And we're like, well, that was a really crappy thing to hear today. But, oh, well, you know, we ended the night well. And all of a sudden, we're going 60 and start going 30. And I was like, this is so strange. <laughs> That's weird. What's going on? And then I glance at the, you know, the different modules and notice that we're overheating. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I was like, this is, this is quite the peculiar turn of events. <laughs> Pull over on the highway, and I forgot to mention that the heater in the car was not working. So <laughs> last night it was like 40 degrees. Um, luckily, by this time, our kids passed out, and I knew that they were breathing because you could see the fog from there. <laughs> so it was okay. <laughs> and it, it, took a, it, took me, um, it took me a minute to diagnose the problem. There's an air pocket in the radiator. I had to drain all the fluid out and then re-add uh, some antifreeze. And some of you are like, oh, wow, that sounds comfortable. I know, you guys would have probably just called a tow truck. <laughs> Lucky for me, I couldn't afford one. So, <laughs> and, and see, we, it, we ended up getting home at like 12.30 last night. Um, didn't bathe the kids or anything. We just threw them in bed. And I remember laying, uh, laying our head at bed, uh, you know, laying my head at the rest, end of the night, I thought, man, that sucked. <laughs> and I thought about all the other things that sucked too. And it's, it was one of those moments where you feel like everything's turning against you. Y'all know what I'm saying? That moment where you start thinking to yourself, what else? <laughs> what else is going to go wrong today? Oh, I know so-and-so should shoot me a text telling me how much they don't like me. That would be great. That would be one last thing. <laughs> I could use before the end of the night. And, and then I thought about I, what, what I normally do is I think about service the next day. And I thought about, oh, tomorrow I get to talk about grace. 
And see, it's it just like that moment where I, at the end of the night, all those thoughts were wanting to run rampant, just like how we all experience. And I just said, I don't have to listen to this. Said so all those things on the outside seem real, but I know that God is for me. I don't feel like it like right now, but I know it to be true. God has told me over and over in scripture that it is true. And so I just said, God, thank you for your grace. I'm, I made it home. Thank you for your grace. And see, it's just like that little switch. It seems like a, like a little switch, like it's not a big difference. But I'm telling you, it is a monumental change in how you go through life, how you feel internally. And man, I was able to sleep all throughout the night. I felt, I mean, I had to wake up because one of the kids woke up at some point. But for the most part, I, I, felt, I felt great. And I didn't feel that anxiety. I didn't feel that fear. And it's a moment of just, for me, I got to practice what I preach, saying, I know that God's grace is for me. And, and we have to believe that it's not just for everybody else, but that it is for you. It, it's much harder to trust God beyond your abilities than it is to not need to trust him at all. But it is also much more rewarding. The peace that comes from, from trusting in God's grace is so much greater than the anxiety that comes from believing in the fear of this world. The faith is so much more rewarding. And I think that it, it shows us that one thing I really believe we should learn is to learn to walk in obedience because it's the same in learning to walk in God's grace. To learn to walk in God's obedience. When, it, when you feel God calling you to do something, when you, when you learn to be obedient to that, simultaneously you're learning how to walk in God's grace. Y'all feel that? Let's talk about one last thing, and that is after my heart. The authenticity of your heart matters more than anything else. See, all throughout Scripture, God puts an incredible emphasis on how much He values the genuineness of your heart. The authenticity of your heart. And in most cases, it matters more than anything else. It matters more than our qualifications. It matters more than our abilities. It matters more than even uh, our mistakes. Our heart matters more than anything. And just as, some, uh, just as he looks for someone after his heart, he is after your heart. I, I want to look at um, all the way in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This is talking about Saul. And it's, this is the moment in which the kingdom was taken away from him. It says, now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. See how that obedience is connected to that grace. And it says so clearly, it's so, so simple that God is sought after a man after his own heart. And when we look at David, who is that man? says in chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is when Samuel goes to David's family, and he sees all of David's brothers first while David is in the, the fields. He's saying, God has sent me here to find the, the next king of Israel. And Samuel said within himself, surely this, this man is the next king. He's, so, he's tall and masculine and strong. And, and God said, God doesn't look at the way things you see. God looks at the heart. And it was David who wasn't even in appearance. He wasn't even called to, for dinner. He's like, oh, just leave David out there. He's going to just bother everyone. And see, it was David and the thing that made David special was not his qualifications. It wasn't anything great that he necessarily did. But it was the fact that he just had this genuine heart that trusted and believed God. He's willing to, to not only be obedient to God, but to kind of like do extra credit for God. <laughs> when, he, when he went to, when he stood up to, to go against Goliath, it wasn't that God called David to do that. Think about this moment. God didn't specifically call David, 
I'm calling you to rise up and go defeat this giant, Goliath. No, David was just getting passionate as he heard Goliath talking trash about his God. And, and David, he, this is like the extra credit moment. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Not up in here. And it shows the authenticity of his heart. And when you understand that setting your heart on God, you, it, it requires transparency. Look through the book of Psalms. Most of them were written by David. David was not perfect. David was not perfect by any means. We see his mistakes time and time again in Scripture. But what he was was transparent. You read some Psalms, and he talks about just this, the, this, this emotion. The way that he talks about his emotion is so genuine. That's why people love the book of Psalms. Because he says things like, God, these people that are against me are without cause. My heart is broken within me because I, I would give them bread, and yet they turn around and, and they stab me in the back. And we're like, oh, man, like I feel that. And see, do, do we pray like that to God? We just, we like the pretty prayers. The pretty prayers, like, God, just help me make it through this day. Imagine, like, God, them. <laughs> they, they made me feel horrible. I don't know what to do with all this emotion. You know, this is how transparent David was. There's some psalms in there where David says, God, my enemies are against me, and I pray that you kill them. <laughs> Getting it much more transparent than that, right? <laughs> See, we know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek, to love your enemies. David's like, yeah, yeah, but can you kill them? <laughs> that would be great, too. In fact, he takes it a level up. He's like, God, if you could just kill my enemies, kill them. You know what? Kill their, kill their children, too. <laughs> see, he, we see the complete anger and even hatred within David's heart. We know that, that that anger and hatred is not spiritual. Jesus tells us not to hate our brother, that we should love our enemies. We see that all throughout Scripture. But it shows just how genuine his heart was when he would talk to God. That he would share, yes, the pretty good things, but he would share even the dark and ugly things within his heart when he would talk to God. He was after God's heart. He was transparent. And w the more transparent you are, the more access you get to God's grace. Because how is he going to pour out this grace that you need when you're not even willing to just simply tell him how much you need that grace? It, we, we, we are so hesitant. We tippy-toe in our prayers, but why not just really go all in? Vent the, to God the way you do to your friends. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And on top of that, I want to share uh, this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. See, because your heart is most seen in your actions and your efforts. Jesus says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And uh, the reason I want to share this is because I, I, don't want us to, I don't want us to live in a false reality. We, it's our human nature to have a false perspective of ourselves. And... The way that we behave reveals what is actually in our hearts. That's what the scripture is saying. And if, if our actions don't match our hearts, we are either in denial of reality or we need to call on more of God's grace by being transparent with our lacking. And calling on God in your weaknesses, see, that empowers you in the areas that you are actually trying. Think about that word, trying, trying. It, it, to, to recognize that you're trying and you feel that it's not enough, recognizing that is humility. It's self-recognition. We, we're just prideful by nature to where we, we want to not need to ask for help. It, especially with God, I, myself included, I struggle with this. Because I want to just be able to do it. It's like even, even when it came to like finding locations for the church, it's like, yes, like pray for a new location and blah, blah, blah.
But I would be really like tenacious about like calling people, meeting with people and like, well, yeah, I think sometime next month. Okay, great. Like what day? Like I'd be really intentional about trying to force something to happen. And I find that with, I do that a lot, even in my faith. Even when it comes to like preparing content for church and things like that, there's, there's oftentimes where I'll try to, to just do it myself and then realizing I really need God's grace. I really need God's grace. But the only way we can have that self-recognition is through humility. Through humility of realizing that we simply aren't enough for some things. It's not that we're not enough for God, but that there's simply things that we need God's help in. We need God's grace in. And the Bible says that God resists the proud, but is close to the humble. It, it sets us up for this simple equation that if we tell God we don't need him, he's like, okay. So often we feel like, well, I don't feel God's grace. You haven't really asked for it. You've, you've said time and time again that you don't need it, that you can do it on your own. When's the last time that you've had this real recognition that you are desperate for God in your life? I mean, when's the last time that you've, that you've had tears in your prayers? Y'all dig what I'm saying? He resists the proud, but is close to the humble. See, two, two people can be doing the same thing. In fact, they could be struggling with the same thing. But if one has a proud heart and one has a humble heart, God's grace will be extended to one but not the other, all because of the condition of their heart. Let me reveal scripture to back that up. It says in Luke chapter 18, verse 10 through 14, this is one of my favorite stories in scripture. This is Jesus talking. It says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector see everyone knows that taxes suck <laughs> we see it right there despise filthy irs agent <laughs> the pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer i thank you god that i am not like other people cheaters sinners adulterers and i'm certainly not like that tax collector over there i fast twice a week and i give you a tenth of my income Real standout citizen, right? But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The next time that you feel like you are doubting your relationship with Christ, the next time that you're doubting your salvation, the next time that you're doubting God's likeness of you, doubting the fact that God even likes you, <laughs> you struggle with that? I do. Like, God loves me because he has to, but he doesn't like me. <laughs> I, I, I feel like this story helps remind me the truth. That God knows my heart. And, you know, and when I say, God, I'm trying, I feel like I'm not enough. I'm trying, though. God's saying, I got you. I got you. And, and I, when it says, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That could be rephrased in so many different ways. God, I need your grace because I can't do this. That's what he's saying. I need your grace because I can't do this. It takes a humble heart for us to call on God's grace. But scripture over and over again is telling us that that heart, that genuine heart, that that's all it takes. And God wants to connect with you. With, with that being said, I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're here today, and as we're talking about grace, and specifically grace being extended to you, not everyone else but you, and you feel like you've never really had that moment where you've put your trust in God's gracious salvation, the grace of his salvation. Maybe you've been to church on and off again, but you've never had a moment where you made a real decision with a humble heart to put your trust in Jesus. 
If that's you and you want to do that here today, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. So just there to yourself, I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans, if you believe in your heart, again, the heart, it's all about the heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. Saying if you have a genuine heart and talk to Jesus yourself, have a genuine heart and have a transparent conversation with God, that that's all it takes to start this journey with him, this relationship with him. The word repentance in scripture translates to change direction. And the moment that you have that conversation with Jesus, you're having a change direction moment from death to life. So just there to yourself, you don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can have that genuine conversation yourself. Just start talking to Jesus. And while they do that, for the rest of you, if you're here and you just recognize that you, you need God's grace right now. Maybe you're recognizing the struggles that you've been going through. Maybe you've just been tiptoeing it, but you feel like a wave is coming. And you just know that you need God's grace right now. And today, you really feel this calling within your heart to receive that grace personally. To God help you through your struggle. Maybe you're here and you just need to throw off every feeling of unworthiness. And God was just speaking to you today in a real way, with every head bowed and eye closed. If that was you, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for you to finish what you started in their lives. I pray that you would reaffirm your grace to them, that you would show them just how, how you see them, God. I, I just pray, I just feel like right now there's someone here that you've been viewing yourself as, as just ugly and rejected. You've been viewing yourself as dirty and unworthy. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, just pausing for a moment because he wants to tell you and reassure you that he sees you as beautiful, as loved, and that he counted you as worthy when he died for you on the cross. I don't know who that is, but Jesus is wanting you to know that today. I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, stop telling yourself these negative things about yourself. You're speaking lies over yourself when I've spoken truth over you instead. Don't believe this darkness, but believe in this light. Holy Spirit, I pray for you to finish what you started. Move in these people's lives and show them, speak to them, make them sensitive to your voice. Help them to see themselves the way you see them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So with that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, I want to share this verse in John chapter. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the Get Connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the Give tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Gravetop Church.